0: Welcome to the Texas Horn podcast. I am your host, Chris Locke, the editor-in-chief of the Texas Horn. I'm here with our contributor for the Texas Horn, Alex Chunda. And we're going to talk about his article that he published not too long ago called The Importance of Having a Church-Centered Community. Why we should move away from wokeism and politicalism. Mm -hmm. So, Alex, do you want to give a brief summary of your article for those who haven't read it?
1: Sure. So, I kind of... Coined the politicalism term, but I'm sure most of the readers and listeners are familiar with (laughs) vocalism. But the general thesis of my argument is that as we've moved away from finding meetings, from, from finding the meaning for our life and our local communities, and finding the systems of belief for how to properly orient our lives and how to properly act from our churches within those communities, our meaning structures have become very atomized and in general seen as a, a way of expressing action that doesn't happen at the local level, but at a sort of national or impersonal level. So these take two different forms, as I see it in our culture, politicalism, which I would see as this idea of finding a sense of group identity and meaning by political activism, so that you have a sort of set of beliefs about what makes life work, what makes our communal life together work, and you spend all your time and energy around advocating for and promoting those political positions. And not to say that politics doesn't matter, of course it does, but I think so often I've seen people who spend all their time watching Fox News and worrying about who's gonna win their national elections, but they don't actually focus on building their local communities where they can make an impact. As for wokeism, I would say wokeism is this ideology that everything that has come before us is corrupt, and so it should all be kind of torn down, right? Like the history of the United States is a history of old white men oppressing everybody else and exploiting them for their use, and so there's really nothing to be saved. But what we need to do now is to do away with the past and to chart a new way forward, and. There's this really strong sense of meaning that comes from this, I think, because you have this sense of self-righteousness. You're crusading against the injustice and the wrongs of the past and are fighting for truth and justice and this new way forward. But the problem is this doesn't actually confront the reality of, of human sinfulness and of what human beings actually need to live life well, which is you know, the way that we actually treat each other. Instead, it's these this utopian vision to be established through the state. Um, and so it's very alienated from the realities of life and the importance of a personal virtue. And so what, I, what I'm really arguing in the end is that we need to get back to the church-centered community where we find our realm of meaning in terms of what we're supposed to do and the way that we interact with our community. And that instead of having a belief system that informs the meaning that we find and in interacting with that community or interacting with the broader community from politics or an ideology. We find that from our traditional values from the church.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, one thing that, I, that I'm that i wondering is um, um, I, why you mentioned politicalism and wokeism as um, these two forms of ultimate meaning that people are pursuing. Is it because it's the most um, prominent that you see at the moment? Because there's also people finding an ultimate sense of meaning in environmentalism, for example, Mm -hmm. um, in other ways as well. Um, So why these two?
1: I see them as the two most prominent ones. So I didn't really mean it to be to the exclusion of anything else that you might categorize as one of these kind of secular religions, but more to pick out what I see as kind of the two dominant strains of secular religion present in our country to date, with politicalism being the one more present on the right, um, although you see it a bit on the left too, and kind of some of the more classical liberal types, and then more I'm being the really dem- like dominant uh, secular religion of the left.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's let's go into. Um... You talked about a liberal, tolerant social order. Um, for those who haven't taken a political science, you know, class at a university, you describe okay. what exactly you mean by that.
1: Well, in particular, as regards to this article, what I meant was that the liberal social order advocates for the spirit of tolerance and diversity and opinions and thought, which is i don't want to take like um too critical a stance of that because i think you know free expression of ideas is a very important and good value um but the thing is in order to kind of make our system work there's this old saying right like that it's simple like to talk about religion and politics at a party which is that in the interest of kind of living peacefully we've kind of sidelined Religious questions, and that we were able to get away with that for a long time in our legal social order, um, with the idea that like religion isn't going to be part of the public sphere, um, because we could just kind of take for granted that there were these things operating in the background that were going to form our values, and that they were similar enough not to cause, or they were similar enough to give us a common vision for how we were supposed to live, that we weren't going to have irreconcilable differences when it came to governing our common life, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. But as the different value systems have diverged further and further in the life of our country, that's no longer um, been a workable solution. We can't just sort of sideline religion from the public sphere. And we don't really do that. So instead of, because we don't, find it acceptable to bring um, traditional forms of religion into the public sphere. What we have now are secular religions and secular value systems and the forms of politicalism and wokeism um, most prominently because since they present themselves as secular or irreligious, even though they have this religious feature of giving people a system of meaning and value for their lives, um, they become the sort of acceptable state religions or public religions of our country.
0: Yeah, that- I, mean, I I completely like just seeing some of the sort of cult like worship of some of our politicians, you know, Trump and Obama being two of the Bernie as well. Um it, it's you can tell just from, you know, just seeing people decked out and, you know, their you know, MAGA gear or whatever, um, feel the burn gear and um just constantly on Twitter tweeting about you know politics. And you know when it's when it's completely consumed your life, it seems like, yeah, you probably aren't worshiping, you know you're probably worshiping it is you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah.
1: and and I might even say that there's something like properly religious about how you're supposed to interact with your government or your like your national identity. Like uh, Thomas Aquinas talks about like a piety that you're due to your parents and a piety that you're due to your nation. But those are all supposed to come under this higher piety, which is piety to God. And there there's some so I, I believe in God, i'm a, I'm a Catholic, obviously, but yeah, put it in a kind of a more secular terminology, some people will define God as that which you value most highly. So you, you worship that which is of ultimate value to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've done this really disordered thing. Um, and it's something people have remarked upon as part of the impetus in the 20th century of countries that go towards uh, totalitarianism and the awful regimes that we saw of the Nazi party in Germany and of the communists and, um, and the USSR, is that the state becomes the realm of ultimate value. And that's, I think, what we're seeing more and more today in the life of our country is that the state is becoming the realm of ultimate value instead of something transcendent. And that's really important to have something transcendent, so you're seeking something kind of beyond what exists here and now, and you resist the impetus towards the utopia building
0: right right um so um one thing you say um is that well you mentioned it a bit earlier that um the liberal in order to make the liberal tolerant social order work is um that um that we all decided to not to no longer make um these questions of ultimate meaning socially acceptable and in public um so would these topics of meaning and purpose be so so socially acceptable in a non-liberal intolerant social order in in an order without i i guess as much liberty um, that's less tolerant maybe i mean are you talking about a government imposing a certain religion or um, a government that has an established religion. What exactly are you, are you um, referring to there?
1: So I'm not sure exactly that I think like what I think the solution is, or I necessarily have an idea that's better. I think with this piece, I meant to more point out the problem that's inherent in the system that we've adopted and in the past, right, before the, the liberal, political orders or social orders, there would have been a state religion, which means that the state and the church would have been separate, but they would have been kind of holding each other in a way that the state says like, through this religion, we enforce the system of values by which we're going to govern our common life. And the government is going to be a reflection of that, is going to kind of try to follow along with that, if that makes sense. And so they support each other. as liberalism grows it tries to sideline religion in order to have like a more purely rational life in um in the political sphere um so religion gets kind of pushed away from that you don't see these kind of two structures of church and state together and the church gets put to the side and like i said before that worked for a long time because the church remains strong in the background and tocqueville talks about this in the united states that what he saw that made the United States democracy work was that there was a strong system of churches that formed the communal life of the people and the, um, the moral life of the American people. But as the church has declined, as we've become atomized and separated from the communities that continued to form Americans in this moral, spiritual, and virtuous tradition, um, that system has disintegrated. And there isn't something that's being upheld in our public life, like there would be with a like state recognized church or religion um, to kind of bring us all together in a common value system.
0: Well, let's say there was a state recognized um, system. Uh, would, would that be able to um, actually bring people together? I mean, when people maybe rebel, if they disagreed with the state or, you know, um, does that actually, does that actually work? What, what do you think?
1: I'd say I'd probably have to think about that more, but I would say that there are certain, like having a state sponsored religion doesn't mean that you don't have freedom of religion. It just means that the church is going to work closely with this one religious group and say that this is like, the main religious system that is going to inform our common life and that we're going to try to uphold this and we're going to try to get everybody to believe this through peaceful um argumentative means so this would be something more kind of like what england has although the church of england has really fallen apart lately um where you have a a state religion in the church of england but you still have free exercise of whatever religion you want and at certain periods of the roman empire and most my history, I, I I'm pretty sure this is right. Yeah, certain periods of the Roman Empire, this was also the case. That, uh, um, you know, they had a state-sponsored religion and the the cult of the the Roman gods, but they still allowed all sorts of other religious practice within the Roman Empire. So, you you don't have to be oppressive to other religious beliefs in order to have a state-sponsored religion.
0: Um, okay. That makes sense. It has
1: its pros and cons, also though. um yeah. So, the the pros and cons, all sorts of different solutions here. None of them are going to be perfect, which I think is just the reality of how political life works in general. As all great political theorists have have noticed and remarked upon, mm-hmm. Aristotle famously comparing and contrasting the benefits and cons of monarchy, oligarchy, and democracy. But. uh You need to be aware of what the pros and cons of whatever option you choose are, I think.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. And I I just, Mm -hmm. I guess I just have a a slight problem with, uh, I don't know, sponsorship, because it seems to me that the government Mm -hmm. really can only get anything done through force um i just i just don't see how the state could encourage or persuade it just seems like unless i mean they can't approve you know they can um say this is this religion is correct and we approve of it Mm -hmm. um i'm I'm not too well versed in you know british or roman history yeah well yeah uh, do you know anything about um what that sponsorship looked like or
1: I could give a different example, which would be Germany, um, which you can either choose for your tax dollars to go to the Lutheran or the Catholic Church. So it looks like like um, the state supports the church monetarily there, right? That tax dollars go to fund church things. And so theoretically, you could have a state-sponsored religion where the, the state is just going to spend money in this church trying to promote its programs. but like I said before, I don't necessarily like want to fully endorse that because it comes with its own problems. Right. Um, uh, but yeah. like I said before, I think you just need to be aware of what the pros and cons of them are. And I think because we haven't been aware of the negative effects of our liberal option mm-hmm. in the United States, we haven't been prepared and, and ready to respond to these problems as they rear their head which is the decline of religion that we're experiencing now. And the fact that we haven't realized that we actually needed religious value systems to form our life for our system of government to work. We just assumed that it would work without religion, that it wasn't a necessary part of the system. And I think that's a really big mistake that we've made.
0: Yeah. um, And um, back to the negative um, parts of liberalism you were speaking of. Um, I, I agree that, Uh, Questions of purpose aren't really answered in in a liberal philosophy. Um, That's really up to the individual to decide for himself. Um, However, I I, I disagree with um, liberalism not being um, full of meaning. Like uh, if if you're referring to to, um, liberalism as liberty, which I I think you are, um, you can tell me if you're not. Well, I I just see that, you know, there's a ton of value behind each individual having, you know, an inherent dignity to themselves and therefore deserving equal status and should be treated fairly Mm -hmm. and have protected rights that you know stem from their inherent dignity, you know, whether that inherent dignity comes from God or some other, you know, deity, of course, is not really answered with the liberal philosophy, but the same uh, groundwork is there. It's that they have it. They have, I mean, you know, leftists or not really leftists, but liberals in America don't really, you know, have an answer for why we all have inherent dignities, particularly the, you know, atheist liberals. Yeah. Um, but they all still agree that, you know, we do we are all equal and we all have the same status because of that dignity. And yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, from that comes laws like we shouldn't kill or shouldn't steal from each other. No one is, you know, better than the other, and we have the right to defend ourselves and speak freely, face our accusers, and have a, you know, a fair trial. So, um, you know, would, would you agree with that? That, um, of course, if that's what you're describing of as liberalism, um, no. that it that does have a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah,
1: I, I am describing that as liberalism, but I think that has this problem. So that has values to it, right? Like there are yeah. values like human freedom and liberty is a good. Um the human person has this inherent dignity. But the problem with it, and I tried to outline this in my paper, is like meaning questions are closely tied to questions of what should I do? So liberalism is all about creating opportunities for action. It's all about saying you can do this, but much less about saying you should do this. And so these questions of what should I do with my life? Like, should I get a job in this area? Um, Should I get married, have a family, have kids? Well, all answered in a kind of cultural communal context within the life of the United States. And that has deteriorated. So now what we have is this vacuum of, of meaning in terms of the, the answering of what should I do kind of values. Um, and so people are, I think, increasingly lost about, like, how do they actively make a difference or contribute to society in a way that they feel that their lives have meaning? And that's what's been filled in a lot of ways by the secular religions are the, the answer to the questions of what should I do? What should I do with my life? because liberalism doesn't even give answers to that. It just says it's good to create opportunities for people to do these things in a different way and assumes that people are going to know what to do with that freedom. And it takes a certain kind of moral formation to know what's actually worth doing in life and what's going to make you happy. And those are handed on to us by our traditions, by our, our cultural traditions, our religious traditions.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um... So you also mentioned uh, the political and economic realms of life and um, that in our liberal order, they're separated from um, ultimate, you know, questions of ultimate value or the, the realm of ultimate value, if you will. Um, can you explain how they are and um, why that should change?
1: Um. Sure. So political and economic questions, Oh, I like the way Jordan Peterson would explain this, uh, which is we sometimes talk about, it. he's not the only person that talks about this, but I, I just really like him. So he's the one that comes to me most readily to mind, which is you need value systems and value judgments in order to decide what to do. Like, for example, the fact that I've chosen to sit here today and record uh, this interview with you and this podcast says that I value this over the million other things I could have chosen to do with this time. Um, And maybe the kind of go off on a little tangent here, maybe the reason people are so afraid of commitments is because they have no strong value judgments. So they're left in this indecision about what they should do because they don't know what's better or worse to do with your lives, because they don't have a tradition or a system that's informing their lives to tell them what they should do. So anyway, in the range of economics and politics we have to make decisions about what's worth spending our money on. Like I spend money on, um, on college or do I, you know, not spend money on college and just go find a job, right? Like we're making economic decisions there all the time or the financial sector is basically the job I see is at the financial industry to decide what's worth allocating our resources to and what's not when you invest in certain things. And, I think what we often see in our economic sphere is that the only value judgment that's left is is dollars. Uh, the quote Jurassic Park, we don't we were so uh, worried about thinking that we um, that we could do something that we don't ask if whether we should do something. Kind of idea. So all we're worried about is how much money is this thing going to produce? Is not? Is it actually going to make our lives be- uh, better? Is is the pursuit of this resource? Um, something that's really valuable to the happiness and flourishing of the human being. But I would, I guess, give a caveat to that in saying that like we make all those decisions in the way that we choose to spend our money. So, right. If you invest in something and it gives you a return, the market is saying that we find this thing valuable uh, of inherent value because people are spending money on it. But, you know, like when it comes to things like drugs and alcohol people find a certain kind of perverse value and things sometimes that I think we should really second guess whether, you know, the, the market forces are always going to push in the direction or really eliminate, what we find a value in the right kind of ways? So that was maybe a confusing answer. So if you want to <laughs> dive into something I said. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mostly agree with that. I, I do think the market is, is an indicator of um, what people do value. Um, based on supply and demand, and um, yeah, and back to the um, the economic realms you were speaking of. You you mentioned Hayek um, and mm-hmm. uh, his critique of economic planning and how it would work because people have different tastes. Um, but then you also say that um, that some value judgments and economics should be prioritized as well. Um, do you know which exactly you're referring to? Like, is there, are there some um, choices that are more valuable than others that should be decided by bureaucrats?
1: Um, so I think by this, I was trying to distinguish what we generally think of as the economic realm versus like political realm. So. Like you could think of the decisions made by our our government as economic choices, because we've empowered these people with our tax dollars to spend that money on certain things. So there are certain realms that are necessarily going to need to be decided as long as we've decided not to be anarchists by the government. So they have to decide what's better or worse to spend our money on. Do we spend more money on the military? Do we spend more money on roads? Do we spend more money on social projects? So we have to decide what's most valuable to us, what's most appropriate for the government to be spending money on versus private institutions, charities, or private individuals. Um, And so what really belongs to the sort of political realm of economic decision-making versus the private realm of economic decision-making. And, but yeah, like I said, assuming that we're not anarchists, we always have to make certain decisions in the political realm about what's valuable and what's worth spending our resources on.
0: Yeah, I'm um, just a minor uh, caveat there. Um, like I, I completely agree with that. If we're talking about you know le- you know legislators um, making those decisions, but if we're talking about like central planning as as you know bureaucrats like <laughs> under the Nixon administration deciding you know how much I forget what exactly he was deciding, but he was, but something like orange juice, right? Like how much orange juice would Americans drink in a year? Like by the gallon, you know, figure that out. Like, you know, how, how exactly can you, can you just, there's, there's not a single mathematical equation or it doesn't matter if, you know, the bureaucrat comes from Harvard, you just can't know that. And only the market
1: it's impossible. Yeah, exactly.
0: Only the market can tell you by supply and demand um, Mm -hmm. what people want and that determines the price. So like, you can't just have bureaucrats, you know, have a a determined set price. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. Which is the sort of realm of personal preference, right? That like, yeah you can't people can determine for themselves perfectly fine what they find valuable or more or less valuable. And people ought to have the freedom to make those decisions when it comes to the private goods. Um, but as is the big problem that comes in with centralized planning is you have to make those decisions for everybody that like, and so it becomes very conformist and mm. that's not really conducive to the flurring of the, flourishing of the human person because we all are unique and have our our personal preferences and the things yeah. that we find valuable towards pursuing that aren't the kind of transcendental universal values right right i related guess
0: that in some way i guess that's a worthy distinction it's um the the this the more subjective values i guess that of tastes, you know what exactly do you think um, is is best for yourself in terms of you know what you're eating and what you're drinking and <laughs> um things like that that don't really have moral or transcendental value but i is it is it that you're arguing that the government should um have those questions um in in mind instead of um the questions of subjective value right
1: um i think what i would argue is that the political realm moves more towards questions of ultimate ultimate value than these individual questions are because whether I have one or two glasses of orange juice a day has no like strong moral consequence Mm -hmm. versus like military spending and social welfare spending have massive moral implications right yeah Um, so
0: yeah um and and to piggyback off of that, um, you, you say that um, the, we become um, more divisive as, as, you know, as our value systems begin to diverge from, from each other. Um, and um, if, if we're talking about the political realm, it's usually as stuff like, you know, the military and um, job spending, immigration taxes, freedom, big tech, things like that. But couldn't you couldn't these topics be something that aren't they kind of um, value neutral in a sense, because, you know, you could both have atheists and Christians agree on being isolationist on foreign policy or having less taxes or more or less immigration. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. couldn't you say that? um,
1: Well, I would say you can have the same value and have. Different ideas or approaches about how you achieve that value. Right? Like, let's assume that everybody in the government thinks that the defense of the nation is something valuable and worth pursuing. Um, And they might have different ideas about how best to achieve that that end or to pursue that value. But when it comes to governance, you also have to prioritize different values. So you have to prioritize the value of um, the defense of the nation, for example, against the value of social welfare. um, Assuming that you believe that the government is the right institution to be providing for the poor and the social welfare of the country, right? Um, Whereas this would get again into kind of more of a prudential judgment and then divide between like the left and the right, where Republicans would say like the government is not the right institution to be providing for the poor that should be left to private institutions and charities. Um, And then we should have a government that sets up a system for us that, uh, that helps to provide for everybody and to maximize um, economic flourishing. Right.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: But you have to prioritize those values. And I think when you say the gay it's like wokeism is going to, to prioritize certain kind of social values far above things like defense of the nation. Right. Um, yeah. And so yeah. you're going to get really different value hierarchies in terms of how we're supposed to spend American tax dollars.
0: Yeah. That, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: And I I maybe add one more thing to that, which is I'm talking about secular religions versus um, traditional religious structures. Um, And and what our our founders thought about the government was that there is a certain domain of kind of ultimate value questions that were appropriate to the government and everything else was supposed to be left to to private individuals and private institutions. Um, Whereas... As that realm of ultimate value questions has disappeared from the private life of people in the nation. The government becomes the only place to make decisions around, uh, around questions of ultimate value. So everything is left to the government. And there's not this idea anymore that like local communities, churches, um, private organizations are supposed to be making these kind of questions. It's just the government.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why we see so many cultural um, fights um, just seep into our political fights, um, stuff that that really shouldn't belong in the political. Like I, I think political, like our, the stuff in the political realm, should be just, you know, taxes and immigration. Um, but when it when it comes to stuff like the cultural, like the stuff that that that's that, you, that really affects you, that the the, the stuff that that you you know value the most that's, that's stuff that you can't really agree on with the rest of the country, especially at, you know, this stage of, of, um, America. I mean, I mean, back in the day, everyone was a, you know, everyone was a Christian and, you know, everyone had basically the same, um, ultimate values, but even then there were still like a ton of, um, political, like, just look at the, the fight over slavery, right. Um, it led to a, civil war that's about as divisive as we ever gotten and everyone there was a christian um so couldn't you say that um that it's 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 a bit too optimistic that just having ultimate values um and just like everyone being a christian everyone having the same ultimate value couldn't you say that that is um a bit too optimistic for bringing us together unifying us because i mean i you could say that i guess the confederates weren't real christians because they you know they thought that some men weren't you know, weren't men they thought they were less than men they were subhuman what do you have to say with you know with with that
1: um i guess i would really say that the south weren't real christians or maybe not to put it that way but to say that they really did have different value systems, right? Because for abolitionists in the North, they had a value system where they saw the dignity of the human person as something that applied to all human beings. And that was something of a higher value than um, whatever economic value these people would have brought as slaves. And you have these systems of... um, a belief that come up in the south around racialism um uh, the inherent differences in dignity and kind of their proper relationship between the races that comes up they kind of justify their ideas so they're maybe at the face like they call themselves christians they they have christian sense of belief they do have different value systems and it worked For a long time, like I I was saying before, that these different um, religious denominations were similar enough to make the common life of the country work. But there were always differences in value systems and belief. And those kind of divisions have always reared their heads in the United States. And they generally have reared their heads in pretty much every country on the face of the the earth for time immemorial. Um, Because people are always going to kind of be coming up with new ideas, new beliefs, um but at the same time, it's helpful to have some sort of orienting principle upon which you can kind of like rest your disagreements. Like for the example, between the abolitionists and the slaveholder South, they could argue about what the Bible said uh was the right thing to do. So they have this kind of common measure to build a kind of common idea around how we we're supposed to live. And I guess I would argue that ultimately that forges the um, the new forms of belief that come out later and that we, we really see realized in the civil rights movement in the United States through people like Martin Luther King, who were strongly influenced by the gospel and by Christianity in terms of their beliefs and uh, about what they saw as the path forward for the United States. So
0: yeah that makes a a lot more sense um yeah that um um, I, i forgot what i was gonna ask but um uh so back to uh the solution to all this uh local communities and churches um what can you um advise the the listener of this podcast to do
1: well the first thing is go join a church. <laughs> if you don't go to church already on a weekly basis, start doing that. And then get involved in the community. Start figuring out what the needs of your community are. And instead of spending so much of your time focused on national politics, um, maybe get involved in actually taking care of the needs of your local community. Um, you know, go visit the the old folks home where you live. Uh, help your family. With whatever problems they're facing help your friends with whatever they're facing um and then find the the meaning in your life through through carrying out that value system that you get through your religious structure um by investing in your local community and helping to address the problems that you find there i guess that was that would be my my advice
0: i think it's good advice i i think these um questions of ultimate value should not be, you know, answered at the political realm. They should be kept at the local um, level, at least not the, you know, federal political realm. Uh, The one, the, the realm that's most closest to you should be the one that you care most about. You know, people who, care too much, who spent all this time talking about, you know, federal politics and Joe Biden and Donald Trump, um, Donald Trump, um, instead of actually, and, and not knowing anything about what's going on in their city. I think there's a huge problem with that A, a total inversion of, um, how it's supposed to be.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: um, anyway, so,
1: maybe Alex, I have one thing to that too. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you, you say- me, which is that, you know, For people who hate big governments, uh, as a lot of conservatives do, and the way that the national government has gotten more and more involved in our lives, I would say that's a direct result of the breakdown of communities. Because as communities break down, we have these new problems that rise up because the communities aren't taking care of them anymore. And then the federal government steps in to try to address them. And so it keeps growing and bloating, and it keeps doing what Local communities had done in the past and doing it worse.
0: So. Right, right. And I think, I don't know if you agree with this, but I do think the solution is um, to pay more attention to the local community so the national government doesn't have to grow to fill that void. And yeah. I don't think they successfully fill that void either. So no, they
1: always do worse. <laughs> right. And it always comes with new problems.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining me, Alex. Um, it's been great talking to you. And um, go visit theTexasHorn.com. Go uh, to our so go to our social media. The our Twitter page username is theTexasHorn. Same for our Instagram and our YouTube and um, Facebook. And uh, we'll see you next time.